Welcome to Harvest Talk, the podcast of Harvest Community Church in Goshen, Indiana. Harvest is a community church with a vision to change the world, and we do that by reaching people and building their lives. For more on Harvest Community Church, please check out our website, hccgoshen.org. And I am Pastor Jeremy, and it is an honor to share some time with you today. Um, Before we jump in, I just want to let everyone know that our podcast can be found in video formats on YouTube and on Facebook. Our YouTube channel is HCC Goshen, and our Facebook page has the same uh, tag on it, HCC Goshen as well. And so you can find us on video in those formats there. Uh, We're also on most podcast services out there, including Spotify and Google Podcasts. Um, and we're hoping to be on the Apple services very soon. And so if you enjoy this, I uh, hope those are the places that you can find it and that you enjoy uh, checking in. And so uh, today's our second episode. And so I'm going to go ahead and jump into a topic that uh, most people might say that we probably shouldn't. And that is the topic of uh, politics. I'm going to talk a little bit about politics today in in our country. And one of the reasons, uh, just as a reminder, one of the reasons we started this podcast uh, was because, you know, uh, you know, I preach every Sunday, but 52 Sundays a year, 35, 45 minute message, something like that. Um, you know, it's just not not enough time to, to tackle every topic that comes up in the course of a year. And and so that we just wanted another place to communicate, to give some thoughts, but also to hit a few topics that uh, we can't do there. And obviously, um, politics is one of those topics that you could spend forever talking about. I mean, there's how many 24-hour news stations dealing with the subject, um, but we, we don't always talk about it on Sundays. And so um, this is one of the things that we might delve into every once in a while on our podcast. Uh, the other thing, just to let you guys know, is that I pre-record my podcast um, a week or two ahead of time, depending on um, my schedule. And so this one is supposed to air sometime around the inauguration of uh, Joe Biden as our new president. And uh, I don't think I need to explain to anyone um, kind of how divisive and difficult the last election season has been, really the last several election seasons in our country have been. Um, Very, very difficult, very, very divisive. And uh, honestly, that division has gone right down into church lobbies. Um, You know, being a pastor through uh, election season is not excuse me, for the faint of heart. And so, um, you know, followers of Jesus who have liked uh, many of Trump's policies have felt like this election is turning the nation in the wrong direction. Followers of Jesus who were troubled by Trump's character, rhetoric, and some of his policies um, really feel alienated by those who have supported Trump over the last several years. Um, Still others are just very bothered by the instability of our generally peaceful, lasting form of government especially around the transition of power. You know, um, we take for granted um, how amazing, you know, 200 plus years of peaceful transfers of power is. And to see some of the things that have happened in the course of, of the election season really just bothers people. And, uh, and so there's a lot of tensions, there's a lot of division, there's a lot of difficulty, and it's right here in our church. And so I was talking to a friend of mine uh, not too long ago that was just kind of bothered by all this and asked the question, basically asking, is it really possible for the church to hope in Jesus in such a way that we can move forward in unity amidst such difficult, deep, and hurtful political divisions? It certainly is like the ones we see today. Is it really possible to move forward in hope and unity in Jesus during these times? And and my answer is absolutely yes. Um, I absolutely believe it's possible 
Uh, I really believe it's possible for the church to move forward. I also believe it's possible that if we do a few things, uh, we can move forward in such a powerful degree of unity that true revival, true spiritual awakening uh, can happen because nothing can stop the unified people of God. And so kind of today, um, I want to look at basically three commands of Jesus uh, that Jesus gave us in, in at various times to talk about how can we move forward in that unity. And if we really just pay attention to the words of Jesus and really take them seriously, uh, I believe we can do that. And, uh, and so I just want to walk us through uh, three things that Jesus said that could serve as, as a foundation of unity in the political realm for the church right now. Uh, the first one is this, hope in Jesus alone. Hope in Jesus alone. Jesus said two, several important things about his kingdom, but he said two that I think really stand out for us right now. First, he, he told Pilate, who was the most powerful political person that Jesus ever ran into, he flat out said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. Jesus' kingdom is, is over and above the political kingdom. Uh, it, it doesn't function like a political kingdom. Um, the hope of Jesus's kingdom is not a political hope. It is a it is an eternal, lasting hope, which is why several years before being in front of Pilate, Jesus just simply said, "Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you." And so, when we approach life, not only just in politics but in any realm of life. We seek the hope of Jesus. We seek his kingdom. We seek his rulership, his will, his ways, his will. We are loyal to Jesus first and, and always loyal to Jesus first. And, um, and, and I've said this recently in some messages I've spoken that Jesus plus anything is a problem. You know, Jesus, if you have to add anything to Jesus, then, then it's going to lead to a problem. If it's Jesus plus my family or Jesus plus my finances, Jesus plus that, sooner or later, Jesus is going to come to compete with those things. And, and Jesus, it only works, it, it always works best with Jesus when he is number one and gives you the love that you're supposed to have for those things. And so Jesus plus my political party winning, or even Jesus plus my political position winning, and those are the only things that you, you, you seek after, is going to create a problem. We hope in Jesus first, and then in response to Jesus, we, uh, we, we, we work for his righteousness in the world. And so, and so the other thing about the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God is the only thing that brings lasting change. Jesus' movement on earth is the most powerful force on earth. And listen, it's lasted all kinds of political circumstances for more than 2,000 years of history, as well as right now. Followers in almost every nation of the world follow Jesus, advance his kingdom, and they do it in a variety of political circumstances. And so, and so the church has been advanced, has a history of doing this. Like there's more hope today than ever because of, of, of the movement of Jesus in our hearts, but it comes down to you have to trust and hope in Jesus alone. Everything else comes at a distant second. And we can trust his kingdom. And so we start there. We hope in Jesus alone. And, and let me say this. This is why the church should seek unity in this time, is because the things that divide us are a distant second to Jesus and his mission. And anything that disrupts Jesus and his mission should be put at a distant second and should be uh, worked out and, and submitted to Jesus and his mission. 
And so we start with hope in Jesus alone. The second thing that Jesus commanded us to do is to honor our government leaders. Jesus said to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. Kind of piggybacking off of that, almost uh, loosely quoting Jesus, Paul in the book of Romans says to give honor to whom honor is due, and he's including government in that, that context. Now, there's two parts of honor that I think you find in Scripture that are very important. The one is the, the honor of the office. The other is the honor of the person. And so Caesar was an office. He was a person, but he was an office. That was a title given to the man who, who took over as Caesar as part of his office as the leader of the Roman Empire. And, and, and Jesus, in this context, is basically making a statement about honoring the position of government. Actually, what's going on here is the, the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus because the, the Jewish Pharisees thought Roman taxation of, basically they thought of it as treason. If you paid taxes to Rome, you were giving loyalty to Rome that belonged to God. And, and so they, gave Je they, they asked Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes? And Jesus' response was to take a coin, a Roman coin, and he said, whose image is it? And they said, Caesar. And he goes, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God. In other words, our honor always goes to God, but there's a place to honor the position of government in your life. And it's important to note that for, for a Jewish uh, man like Jesus was, um, honoring Rome was not a popular thing, that they were considered an oppressive, um, illegitimate government on a sacred land. And, uh, and so honoring government was not uh, the, the norm. And, and yet Jesus says, listen, you honor the position of authority. You honor the position of, the, of, of, of leadership. But then there's the issue of honoring the person. And, and here's kind of one of the best definitions I ever got of honor when well, someone told it to me this way, is that honor is really treating something as it ought to be treated. You know, and so in other words, like they, they then said, you know, how do you honor a brick? You honor a brick by putting it into a wall because that's, that's, that's the reason the brick was created. And so when you, when you deal with people, you honor the person with the, with the way they should be honored. You see, honor is not just automatically saying yes to everything. Listen, the, the scriptures basically said the only person you always say yes to is, is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. You, you only say yes to God. Everybody else is flawed, and it's okay to question their flaws. And, and an honoring person honors people by, by being able to have honest discussion even when there are flaws. See, the problem with political parties— is political parties turn their candidates into saviors and, and, and basically invite people to worship a candidate that is going to save the country. And, and then if someone ends up pointing out a flaw in that candidate, what happens is that the, the parties then basically treat anyone that would criticize the candidate, uh, they demonize them. They, they, they say, no, no, no. And, and so nothing ever gets done because you can never actually discuss the flaws that are there. This isn't. That's not honor. That's idolatry. That's that's my candidate is perfect, and you can't you can't bring up a flaw. Whereas true honor allows us to see things as they are, and so you respect the you respect you respect the office. You respect the person as a human being, uh, but when there's a flaw, you respectfully and with accountability point out the flaws to bring it to the higher power, which is God Himself, who created the positions of authority. And that serves as a true honor, then serves as a true basis of unity, because we can have honest discussions about the flaws in our system, the flaws in our people, the flaws that are going on. 
in, in, in all honesty, um, our, 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 our parties do a terrible job of doing this because they don't really operate in honor. They operate in the position of creating gods out of our candidate in, in a, I mean, in a, in a, in a analogy sense. And, and we do a disservice. We honestly, we do a disservice when we do not respectfully call out what is dishonorable in our person, in our, in our, in a person, in a leader, in a candidate, even as we're called to, to honor the office. And so, and so when we move forward, we move forward with honor. We're respectful. We honor the position. But when there's a flaw, that especially in light of the teachings of Jesus, we step back and go, listen, that's a flaw. That is not something we should, that, that's not something we should be a part of. That's something that person should change. And we should, we should be willing to call it out and do that. So we hope in Jesus alone. We honor our government leaders. What's the last thing that we uh, should do? To move towards unity in a in a divisive political atmosphere. Well, the last thing we should do is, quite frankly, love your neighbor. Love our neighbor as yourself. This is the second part of the greatest commandment. When you read the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, the word that links them is kind of the idea of an of an equal sign. It's and do this also. This or even has the the um, implication that this is how you love God. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength by loving your neighbor as yourself. Listen, if politics is keeping you from loving someone, then politics has taken the wrong place in your life. You know, I've heard people say, I don't know that I can love or be friends with somebody that believes this. Well, you know, because that issue is so important, Pastor. That issue we just can't, and I can't love someone that takes a different issue. No, actually, actually you can't. You can. The, the, the greatest, the second half of the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Or I've seen people that would say, if you're going to vote for so-and-so, then just go ahead and unfriend yourself from me on social media right now. Nope, nope. That's not loving your neighbor. You can block them. You don't have to look at their posts, that kind of stuff. But once we get to drawing lines of friendship, that's not the greatest commandment. Jesus commanded us to love our enemies. Listen, Jesus had enemies in his discipleship group. Like Tom, uh, um, um, Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collectors were looked upon among the Jews of that day as traitors to their country. Uh, they they sold out to a foreign power. They'd sold out to Rome just for money. He also had someone on his on his discipleship group named Simon the Zealot. Zealots were the extreme loyalists. In fact, portions of the zealots. Um, were were known as daggermen because they were basically assassins. They they were radicalized assassins for the the cause of the of the Jewish state. And so Jesus had a person that would have been considered a traitor and a person that would have been considered a radical in his discipleship group, hoping in him, trusting in his kingdom, honoring the authority that he had, and being commanded to love each other. That is what we're called to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let me just ask you, let me just ask you a question. Would you want the pressure of being right all the time in order to be loved by everyone? If you had to be right all the time to be loved by everyone, would you really want that pressure? Or would you want to be loved and understood by for who you were first and engaged in the dis, in the differences you have with others second? Of course you're going to want to be loved for who you are first. And, and, and we have neighbors in, 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 in our churches and in our society that, that have stories, and they've got, they've got reasons they believe why they believe, 
And if, if automatically you're coming in going, I can't be a part of you because you and I don't agree, we, we lose the ability to be effective for the mission of Jesus. Jesus didn't, Jesus, in fact, Jesus has never asked us to be right before he showed our, his unconditional love towards us. In fact, he, he died to make us right and, and knows that until we get to face-to-face with him in heaven, we're not going to be right. And yet he still continues to show unconditional love towards us. And that is the love that we were supposed to do. And listen, that's the blueprint. How do we find hope in Jesus? How do we move forward in unity as a church? How do we build a foundation in these divisive times? That's the blueprint. It starts by trusting King Jesus above all and putting hope in his kingdom first. It comes by honoring their governing authorities, the position of leadership, but also honoring the humanity and understanding the flaws in the humanity. And then it ends with loving our neighbor, putting our, our the love of God by loving our neighbor uh, above above those things. And and listen, um, I believe that the future is bright. I believe one of the things that's going on right now is God is shaking so many things that only the true radical church that believes in Him is going to shine forth. And I believe that if that church comes forward and puts Jesus first and honors what they're supposed to honor and loves their neighbor the way they're supposed to love them. I believe that a true awakening, a true spiritual revival is just around the corner because nothing can stop a people unified with each other and for the service of Jesus. So let me pray for you. Lord, I just do thank you that, first of all, you've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us a true King in Jesus that we can love and follow you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would all step back and evaluate our lives in in, in honor of you. Lord, I pray that you would create in us to be a people that put you first, that honor the authorities around us, that honor the people and our our leadership around us, and Lord, that we would love each other, we love our neighbors, and that we would go forward in, in boldness for you because of that. As these things in your name, amen. Well, hey, thank you everybody for joining us for Harvest Talk, and until next time, I just want to encourage all of you to keep reaching people and building lives. Look forward to talking with you again soon. Take care.